0: Welcome to the Who's Podcast with me, Phil. And yep, it's just me, I'm afraid, at the moment. Paul's unable to make this week's recording. Um, so, um, hello, Paul. Hope you're listening. And uh, yeah, so we have a stand guest host this week uh, to help me review The Shakespeare Code in our ongoing retrospective series 3. Um, who that is... I shall announce later on But first Let's have a little bit of news And we might as well kick off With some of the 50th anniversary rumours That have been Flying around in the past few days Now recently um, On Friday night On the Graham Norton show Billy Piper was one of the guests And obviously The question will always arise Of Are you going to be In the 50th anniversary Which she uh, Turned around and said No she hasn't been asked um, And she's got no plans To star in it Um so, knowing the BBC, that is, um, well, it's probably going to happen then. But considering they're going to be filming, apparently start to film the the, uh, the 5th anniversary special in April, so I've been led to believe, um, I would have thought they would have been signed up by now and you would have seen something on their own website, or their agent's website. So, but never say never, never say never. Now, also... David Tennant was a guest on the Jonathan Ross show on Saturday night and again he was asked is he going to be in the 50th anniversary he says no he's not he hasn't been asked so again we'll expect to see him in the 50th anniversary when it appears but Colin Baker also said something during the week uh, that none of the original Doctors from what is now known as the Classic series have been approached to play any part in the 50th anniversary which if true I think it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. Although they are way too old, sort of looks-wise, to uh, play the same part. I mean, you know, Colin Baker looks nothing like he did in the 80s. Uh, neither is Tom Baker anymore now. Peter Davidson could probably just about get away with it. Sylvester McCoy, maybe, maybe get away with it. But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? It would be a shame if they're not involved in some small way. I don't think they could uh, play a huge part in it anymore, but... Here's hoping that something does uh, does crop up for them anyway. Now, another weird uh, 50th anniversary rumour that uh, started last week uh, was that there was going to be a new animated version of Sharda, featuring the vocal talents of Tom Baker, Rory Kinnear, and Sheridan Smith. Now, if you're still hearing these rumours, uh, I have now since learnt that this is a massive hoax. Um, I believe it started on Twitter from a, an apparent... Official BBC Twitter account, which uh, which <laughs> which sort of broadcast this uh, story, uh, but I think someone looked into it a little bit deeper, and it appeared that the Twitter account had been created sort of forty-eight hours before they broke this story. So and there's enough official BBC Twitter accounts already that could announce this. So um, yes. Nice as it may, it may, uh, it may be. Unfortunately, it is not going to happen. It is just a big, big hoax. Now, some sort of uh, proper news for the fiftieth anniversary. Puffin Books are releasing what they call a series of e-shorts or e-books, in other words, uh, in their Puffin Book range for children to time with the Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary. Now, you're going to get 11 short stories. Uh, what will be released on the 23rd of each month, leading up to. The, uh, ...the big day in November itself. So we're going to get one on the 23rd of January... ...which will be a first Doctor story. And then you get each incarnation of the Doctor... ...on each month thereafter... ...leading up to the 11th Doctor's uh, story... ...on the 23rd of November. So this uh, little uh, series is being produced with BBC Worldwide... ...and they're going to be promoting each book... ...through their Facebook and YouTube channels. So what they're going to do is... Um, They're going to have the author announce the book on Facebook, and that I think will be the Monday. The the first Monday of each month, and then you're getting the promotional video um, on YouTube on the following Friday of that week. So I believe that uh, now it says on this news source here that the the series launches next Monday. Whether that means Monday the seventh or the following monday, monday the 14th. I actually don't know, so um I'm assuming it's going to be it's going to be this monday, monday the 7th. So uh there you go. So if you're interested in that, um when the books are become published, you can buy them through Penguin uh, online itself or through Amazon or the iBookstore. Or if you can wait um till they've all been released in November, you can buy them as a single book anthology if you so wish. Now also uh, this year, apart from the 50th anniversary of course we've got some more DVD releases uh, coming up and as we've previously spoken about on this podcast the special edition releases of the Ark in Space and the Aztecs will be released this uh, this year. So um, United Kingdom are getting uh, Ark in Space on the 18th of February and the Aztecs on the 11th of March. Uh, this will be followed then in the United States with both titles being released on the 12th of March Now during the week The cover artwork for both of these special editions Have uh, been unveiled uh, By their designer Who goes by the name of Lee Binding And you can f- see these uh, very, uh Actually very very nice um Bits of cover art actually On the Tea Lady Design Facebook page So uh, I might If I can remember I will put a link to that In the show notes if you want to see But you can pick this up on sites such as Doctor Who News. So, uh, so if you need to see them, you can just go there and see them in all their glory. Now to uh, round off this uh, very, very short news uh, news section this week. Oh, I'm sorry, we're back to, to uh, statistics again. So sorry. The, <laughs> the Snowmen uh, Christmas special, the official ratings, or the final official audience ratings, I should say, have been, uh, have been released and it got a, f- a final figure of 9.87 million viewers which raised it up to the fourth most watched program of Christmas Day uh, which now puts it ahead of Christmas Strictly Come Dancing so which actually if you remember to um, I think it was our last podcast that actually beat Doctor Who in the overnight figures so it just goes to show you can't put uh, too much faith into overnight so uh, so the, the final figures that takes into account who recorded the programme and who watched it within seven days of broadcast. So it's a, it's a big, big increase. Now, um, talking of audience figures for the Christmas special, The Snowmen also broke r- the ratings record on BBC America as well. Uh, it had a, um, a, f- a final um, ratings figure of 1.434 million people. Uh, who either watched it live or within seven days of transmission. Now, according to what I've got here, it says that was a 54% rise on the BBC America ratings for the previous Christmas special, which was the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. So this now makes The Snowmen, the uh, BBC America's second most popular programme, which was beaten only by the Son of the Daleks, which had a 1.555 million viewers uh, rating. So um, that's damn good. That is damn good. Um, I know it probably doesn't seem a lot compared to the 9.87 million that BBC One achieved, but for a relatively small channel in America, that's pretty healthy. That's pretty damn good. So that's uh, that's a reason to be uh, reason to be glad. That really that really truly is. So it's obviously in uh, in the states, Doctor Who's making a lot of a lot of headway into the uh, general populace now. So fingers crossed for that. Okay then. That's it for the news this week. That is it. So um, coming up very, very shortly then is our uh, our review of Shakespeare Code. So for another week, then, that was the news. Right, everyone, it's time to kick off our Season 3 retrospective again for 2013. And we return with the uh, second episode, The Shakespeare Code. I'm Sir Doctor of TARDIS, and this is my companion, Miss Martha Jones. Interesting. That bit of paper. Blank. Oh, that's...
1: Very clever. That
0: proves it. Absolute genius.
1: Mm. No, it says right there, So, Doctor Martha Jones. It says
0: so. I say, it's blank. Uh, psychic paper. Um, long story. Oh, I hate starting from scratch. Psychic? Never heard that before and words are my trade. Who are you exactly? And joining me this week to uh, have a look at The Shakespeare Code is a person who's been on this, on this podcast before, uh, a man who's been previously described by Eve Miles as a handsome bastard. It's Martin Havel from the Bad Wolf Podcast. Thank you, and I am a handsome bastard. Well, you know, I didn't like to, uh, <laughs> I didn't like to build your part up too much, you know.
1: <laughs> she was very, 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 very drunk when she said that.
0: Actually, if Eve Miles said that to me drunk or so, but I wouldn't care. Actually, I'm having it. Yeah, I take it. <laughs> I've even put it in my Facebook profile. <laughs> anyway,
1: you're gonna, you're thanks gonna, for having me, mate. That's okay, it's great
0: mate. To be back in the It's great to have you back again, mate. So, um, Shakespeare Code. Yes. What do, What do you think after all this time? Because it's been a few years now, hasn't it? It
1: is, and it's really weird to go back and watch David Tennant now.
0: That's exactly what I thought as well. But it's not weird to watch Eccleston. Do you know what? I haven't watched Eccleston for a long, long time now. And I think what it is, is because
1: he was the one directly after the current Doctor.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Because
1: it's not see. weird to go back and watch any of the classic ones. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. really weird to go back and watch Tennant. And I think when whoever replaces Smith comes on board, mm. it will be really weird to watch Smith.
0: I think you're probably right. You're right. It's, it's yeah. just that yeah, it's it's weird now watching it because it's all the the old titles, the old theme music. Um, it now seems really weird seeing the old uh, TARDIS interior. Yeah, yeah. As well, um, even though we had it for what five years. Yeah. And now it just seems really strange to to watch it again. It is
1: really weird, but I I sort of like it. I like the industrial feel to it.
0: Yeah, I think it was just because it it's for a lot of people now. That's what they. Sort of grew up with isn't it yeah, it, was yeah. there, it was there for a long time
1: well if you think if you were 8 when David Tennant took over you were 12 when he left and that's a huge chunk of your life that is that
0: really is but, a huge chunk but blimey not as <laughs> probably not as a huge chunk as people was watching Tom Baker when they were growing up so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah let's,
1: let's talk about this did yeah. you know I don't know if it still is mm. but at the time this was the most expensive episode of Doctor Who ever filmed
0: well, I was just having a quick look on um, on the internet about where they'd uh, filmed this. Yeah, and they'd gone to um, the amount of filming locations was incredible. Yeah, yeah, there was Coventry, Warwick, London, Cardiff, and Pontypridd. <laughs> so, when Pontypridd was being the upper boat studios, as it yeah, as they yeah. used to be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it it must have been all that lo- that uh, location filming. It it must have added to the uh, to the cost a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and it was the CGI stuff as well.
0: Oh, I mean, um, that's one of the things I would sort of listed down in my notes. The, the the actual look of London then looks it does look great. Yeah, yeah. I really do love it. I think it was some really really good work there. And plus, of it, it doesn't. I know it's it's easy to do with backdrops and stuff with CGI, but it doesn't look too fake. If you know what I mean. No, no. The the backdrops
1: and the locations look brilliant. Yeah just when you get to the vortex-y bits, um, it looks a bit shaky. But, you know, for a BBC budget, this...
0: It's good. I it's good, it's, yeah, yeah, for a BBC budget. I think it's really good. Um, and obviously, it benefits from having the Globe Theatre as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they CGI'd the rest of that, didn't they?
0: Yeah, no, I, I did read that. What's, can you remember exactly what they did cgi Because I can't remember.
1: <laughs> I think it was just the exterior shots. Mm. Um to make it look complete because obviously it's burnt down a couple of times. Yeah. Over the past couple of hundred years. <laughs> uh but yeah, it looks it looks impressive.
0: No, I love it. I thought it was really good. Really so good. yeah,
1: I I like this episode. Um I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's the best Doctor Who's been. And that's the sort of trouble you get when you add histo- historical characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I just had um I mean, I did like I did like, what's his name? D. Leonard's Kelly. Excuse me. He was um, brilliant. Yeah, he was excellent. I thought he was really good. Um, and I, actually, I liked all the other actors in it as well. Actually, I thought it it, it was good. They didn't try and make it. Because um, one thing I sort of noticed with a lot of things, when they, especially modern television, when they do historical stuff, they will always drop in like modern slang. Yeah. Into it, which is, and the, I think the biggest one, I think not Doctor Who, it's actually Band of Brothers. Alright. Oh, and it was in the opening episode where they um where they're just about to board I think they were just about to board a, a plane to, to be to be dropped over Normandy. And there's yeah. a load of British troops walking by, and one of them's got like a, a German Luger and the American guy wants to bite off of him yeah. off off of, the, off of this um British Tommy. And the British Tommy said, hey, hey look at this, mate, it's right pucker. right there is and you can tell this script has been written by an american (laughs) yeah yeah the worst one i've ever
1: seen is you remember when the bbc did robin hood a few years back yeah um there's one bit where keith allen as uh the sheriff of nottingham Mm. as tick tock times running out before clocks Clocks were invented
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it well uh, there was um there's, those things are always full of historical inaccuracies, aren't they? Always. Yeah, I'm, I
1: imagine the temptation of adding like a historical character has got to be immense for the writers of Doctor Who. And I guess it, someone like Shakespeare is someone everybody knows something about.
0: Yeah, yeah, they set I mean, you had. I mean, they, they kicked it off with Charles Dickens when they bought the show back. Yeah, and, yeah. Then you had Queen Victoria in the next series, and I and suppose this... Shakespeare was a, a dead cert, really, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: And I wonder if Moffat doesn't like them because we've not had one since he ago, apart from Churchill. Actually, yeah, sorry, that's my argument debunked right
0: there with Churchill. <laughs> you have shot your own argument down in flames. <laughs> um, but even then, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call that an out-and-out historical story. True. I know it's sort of like what seventy odd years ago now, the Second World War that 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 period, but I. I still don't treat that as as I kind of like an historical romp, like I hate using the word romp only the sun uses the word romp, yeah but, um, but do you know what i mean it's it doesn't it doesn't feel long ago enough for it to be historical it's, i know it's it obviously is historical, but yeah it, it's just the way i i just i just perceive it that's all really,
1: yeah, I guess you're right, Actually. um. What do you make of the whole thing about Shakespeare being nothing like he was betrayed?
0: Um, I could sort of go with that actually because no one really yeah. knows, do they?
1: And I, yeah, I can totally believe that.
0: I mean, they, they tried to sort of make him out he was like the rock star of his day. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's all intents and purposes, he probably was.
1: I mean, if you put this to modern day terms, he was basically the Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Of those days, and I think if Shakespeare was
0: like alive
1: now, he would be the best in-demand Hollywood writer.
0: He probably would be. Oh, yeah, so,
1: yeah. I mean, if you look at the stuff he included, like incest, uh it's just stuff you would see in the films now and be shocked by. Exactly. And he he was writing this back in Queen Victoria's times in Victorian London.
0: Christ, it's good job the the Daily Mail went around then, wasn't it? <laughs> ye ye old Daily Mail. <laughs> The Ban-
1: old Daily Mail. We're just funding this great new guy called Hitler. No. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs>
0: moving on. Moving on, moving oh, on. The only thing I will say, though, there's one line that um, that Shakespeare says when he sees uh, Martha. Yeah. And it goes, hey, nonny, nonny. Yeah, I yeah. Like, Did anyone actually say that?
1: <laughs> oh, I guess they would have done back in the day. <laughs>
0: But. I don't know, again, if it's, it's someone that actually said that, well, it's written down in like 16th century prose or something, <laughs> or it is actually something, something just made up because it sounds old-fashioned.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does sound old-fashioned. But what I love is the way um, Martha's nervous about being there. That's the first time Doctor Who's ever
0: dealt with race. It is, actually, yeah. Because I did know, because she was sort of like saying, well, aren't I going to stand out yeah, a little yeah. bit? And it's like the Doctor's answer to it was, well, nah, just walk around and you own the place. It works for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only thing that really annoyed me about this episode is the Doctor setting up all of Shakespeare's famous quotes.
0: Well, actually, this is... I, I was going to count this because this was written by Gareth Roberts, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, who is a massive Shakespeare buff.
0: Yeah. And I've often found with him, he he, he kind of repeats the same trick a lot of the time, Gareth Roberts, he does. Um, he did this for the Unicorn and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah. Again, with the same thing with um, Anger for Christ. He kept drop, With Donna this time, kept dropping in titles of um, books, yeah. books and everything. And, I mean, don't get me started on, on stuff like um, Closing Time, because <laughs> that was just a, a rip-off of um, The Lodger, as far as yeah. I was concerned. So he does repeat himself a lot. And I just found out this was actually... Um, there's a lot of similarities to a story he wrote, of which I think was for Doctor Who magazine.
1: It was, yeah. There was a for
0: comic f- book. For the Ninth Doctor.
1: Yeah. Much like with The Lodger, which was originally written for the Tenth, the tenth Doctor, Doctor and Mickey.
0: Yeah. So he does like to fall back on old ideas. I know a lot of writers do that anyway. He's re- They yeah. do recycle a lot. But there's a lot of like, themes to his stories he does repeat over and over again. And that that was probably my biggest my biggest problem re like rewatching it. At the time, I didn't care. It's only, mm. it's only now in hindsight I sort of like Well, hang on, he's, he he keeps doing this, <laughs> so. <laughs> but hey, you know me, mate. You know what I'm like. So nitpicking. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, how does this fall back with Doctor Who continuity in the classic series? Because I remember seeing a Colin Baker one where he mentioned that he'd met Shakespeare.
0: I think just about every Doctor's mentioned Shakespeare. I, th- I think Tom Baker did. Yeah, I'm quite sure Pertwee did at some point as well. Um, but I read a um, a little something saying that Artie um, Din and, and Gareth Roberts they knew that it had been mentioned before, but they decided not to reference it at all, unless in the story
1: they the the versions of the Doctors, the earlier incarnations didn't meet to after this story could have done. Yeah, and uh, then yeah. obviously he would know them when they turned up as being the Doctor.
0: Yeah, because th- I'm trying to remember which Doctor it, it was. It might have been Tom Baker saying that he went back to help uh, Shakespeare write Hamlet. Yeah. Which is obviously set after this story. So yeah. that that yeah. Would make sense?
1: Yeah, because his son was called Hamnet Yes. Yeah. And because Martha goes, Hamnet? He goes, yeah, what's wrong with what's that? What's
0: wrong with that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's possible.
0: Yeah, it could Yeah, it could be. So, but but they, yeah. but, they, but they were quite conscious of not referencing any previous Doctor's encounters. Uh, yeah, with, I with think that
1: worked. Yeah, I mean, I you think
0: back at this day, you you still have people that never heard of
1: Doctor Who before. Yeah, David Tennant. So
0: yeah, and to be caught honest, getting bogged down in continuity, which I know Doctor Who fans love. Yeah, yeah. But to move a story on, it's not always the best thing to do, is it? Well, I
1: guess as a writer, you're hired to come in and do a job. Yeah. And to look back at nearly 50 years of continuity
0: <laughs> is not something you're going to do. No, nah, unless you've got Ian Levine on the staff, of course.
1: So,
0: <laughs> yeah, but there were loads of references to other, um, other not just Shakespeare, like um, when the Doctor and Martha say they come from a land called Fredonia.
1: Fredonia, yeah.
0: That's actually from a Marx Brothers film. It is, Duck Soup. Duck Soup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually one of my favourite Marx Brothers films.
1: I love Duck Soup. I
0: think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant.
0: (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. Um, But there's also things like the Sycorax. I didn't know that 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 was a a word used from The Tempest. It is, yeah. Um, Because I remember when the Christmas Invasion
1: was on Yeah. and they mentioned the Sycorax, I was thinking, I know that. And it wasn't until recently when I, I was doing my research when he asked me to come on for this. Yeah. And I saw that is actually from The Tempest. So obviously all those school plays I was doing when I was a kid, yeah. Um, that just sick a bit stuck in my brain, but I couldn't figure out where from.
0: I've only, I must be honest, I've only ever seen one Shakespeare play, and <laughs> that was because I got free tickets to it. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, Macbeth. Oh. And the reason I went because because um, Ian McKellen was in it. Oh, okay. And the night I went, he wasn't on. He was ill. His <laughs> understudy did it. So, <laughs> But um, but actually, there was a Doctor Who connection because one of the... I can't remember which character he played, but I remember the actor, Harry Taub. Mm. And he's been in a couple of Doctor Who stories. He was in um, The, the Seas of Death, which that uh, Patch of Trout and Ice Warrior story. Yeah. And he was also in Terror of the Autons. He was the guy who got eaten by the plastic chair.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. So it's only until sort of like... When I was, again, researching this, I thought... I've actually seen any Shakespeare. I've, oh yeah, went I went, and, I went and saw Macbeth, and I just suddenly remembered Ian McKellen. He didn't turn up, and then I remember, oh yeah, Harry Taub was in it. So, but that was it. That's my that's my one and only um, <laughs> sort of exposure to Shakespeare, I suppose you could say. <laughs> well,
1: um, what do you think of the whole J.K. Rowling references and stuff like that in this? Uh
0: it probably is probably quite topical at the time.
1: Well, it was topical, and the. Before this series had filmed, David Tennant had starred in the Goblet of Fire that's or something. Right, he was Barty Crouch yeah. Junior, wasn't? He? Yeah. So I guess um, that was an, like a nod and a wink. Yeah, back to his part in that.
0: Yeah, I didn't mind it, but it's I don't know. As I say, he tied in with him and Harry Potter was big there. Yeah. But now all that's died down somewhat. It doesn't. It's too much of an impact now, does it? <laughs> Yeah, no, but so actually, what do you think of um, Doctor and Martha's relationship in this? Because they're still building it up, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I really like Martha.
0: Do you know what I? I do as well, and I can't get or understand the hatred. The they're hatred many... is
1: because she's not Rose.
0: Yeah, I think there's a... but it's not only her. It's also the, her, her acting skills as well. They're, they're not bad. They're not bad. Okay, she's. I mean, at the time, this is probably what her first acting gig, big acting yeah, gig. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she was that bad. Awesome. A mate of mine used to be her manager at Blockbusters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I am trying to get an interview because <laughs> <laughs> they still exchange the odd email every now and then.
0: Oh, brilliant!
1: So yeah, I'm trying to get an, um, an interview, but yeah, we'll see. Oh,
0: well, that'd be good. That'd be interesting.
1: <laughs> but yeah, oh, I love Martha. Martha was just brilliant and it's clear now what they were doing she was just the rebound after your long-term relationship breaks up
0: yeah i mean this it was really um i actually i kind of felt sorry for for martha yeah yeah in this because there's the whole that whole scene with them in the bedroom and the doctor says well you you gonna you gonna come and lie down or what yeah and, and, and she's
1: no- desperate for him to kiss her
0: oh de- yeah it's so it's so obvious isn't it but, yeah. Um. And then he goes and says about the whole situation, he says, I wish Rose was here, she'd know what to say. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of like a real kick in the teeth of Martha, and that's what makes me feel sorry for her. I don't, know oh, whether, yeah. I don't know whether it was such a good idea to have another companion fall in love with the doctor, because I think that's what me and Paul said when we reviewed Smith and Jones.
1: Yeah, you're right, it is pretty much the same story. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's why people have got a problem with her. It's just like a rose by any other name. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I like Martha. And I think in retrospect, it's interesting seeing what they were trying to do with her character. Because yeah. she, was, she was supposed to come in Torchwood and then she was meant to go in Sarah Jane and then back into Torchwood. Uh, but because of Freeman's acting commitments in Law and Order UK, yeah, it didn't happen that way.
0: Which I think she was actually very, very good in.
1: Oh, she Law and Order UK, she's given her best performance ever in. Yeah. And, yeah, she was meant to... You know the role the Brigadier had
0: in oh, right. Sarah
1: Jane Adventures? That was written for Freeman Regimen. Oh, wow. And she was going to be the unit associate that got them into into that situation. I
0: suppose that would have made more sense from yeah. the point of view for Sarah Jane viewers, because a lot of them would know who Martha is. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Brigadier thing, that was, ju- that was just a love letter to fans yeah. of years gone by that that really was but yeah i
1: i like martha i think mean, she's she's great and i guess if freedom acting career hadn't really taken off we would have seen her in children of earth because yeah. lois abiba was written basically as a last minute replacement for martha
0: oh well, i never realized that
1: yeah originally because the only reason mickey comes back from the parallel earth mm. is because noel clark begged russell t davis Mm. to put him in tortured. Oh, wow. And he couldn't do it because obviously Mickey's in a parallel world. Um, so, yeah, he wrote him back. But then obviously Noel Clark's directing career took off. Yeah. And he just got too busy to do Children of Earth as well. So he was written out
0: of it. Well, he hasn't looked back really, has he? No. Noel Clark with his directing and writing career as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. So, I mean, Noel Clark's one of those ones. He's a better writer than he is an actor. yeah. Uh, but yeah, this isn't about Noel Clark. No, it's not about Noel Clark, it's been a bit
0: about the Shakespeare code. Yeah. <laughs> Martha.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Martha's great. I like Martha. And yeah, she is looking back, she is clearly just the rebound girlfriend yeah. you have for a couple of months after you've broken up with the girlfriend you've been with for two years.
0: That's it. And one, it's one thing that sort of occurred to me, it, it, just at that scene, it was the fact that only she's she's in Rose's shadow for the doctor, but it's the the audience as well. Yeah. Because what we were just saying about the level of... I don't I don't think hatred's the right word. It's probably too strong a word. But it, there was a lot of bile, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Directed towards the character and her. And as you say, it's she was just in Rose's shadow.
1: Interestingly enough, even Classic Who fans, uh, I remember going, "What? they're replacing Rose? Like it had never happened before. Bloody hell.
0: And quickly, to... quickly people forget.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um but yeah, but we're we're sort of seeing that now that Amy's been replaced. Yeah, people are still hating Jenna Louise Coleman for not being Karen Gillan. Oh dear,
0: <laughs> dear oh dear. Well, actually, Matt Smith had exactly the same thing.
1: Right? When he, when well, he he he's still getting
0: it. He's still. I know exactly, and I can't understand that because he's been the best Doctor. He's been the best of the new
1: lot. Yeah. So, and you know, the new Doctor will come along, and I'll say that about him.
0: <laughs> so, actually, I'm. I, I, I mean, get back onto tenant. I, I did like his Doctor, but watching it now, and, I, and there were times when back then as well when he, when he was in the role, he sort of felt he was just a little bit too human.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the episode where we started getting the shouty Doctor.
0: That's what, what I've written down in my notes, actually. and
1: yeah.
0: Only at certain times, he, he was okay for a lot of it. But as you say, you get a lot of the shouty stuff, and then you get the boomba. Yeah, stuff as well, and I, oh, I cringed at the time with that line. It's <laughs> it's not as bad as the uh, the Ghostbusters one, oh, but yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> but then you know how much could how much blame can you put on David Tennant? How much blame can you, you put on RTD? Yeah, exactly. if RTD tells you you've got to do this,
0: yeah, you do it, <laughs> don't you? you've got to do it. Yeah, so. but I know certain actors will try and do that line. If there's, I know there's a line they don't like, mm. like Pert used to do it a lot. If you didn't like if you didn't like it, you'd either do it badly and just I, I just can't get my my head round this line. Yeah. Can I say this instead? And they just I think used to get so exasperated by it. They just go <laughs> yeah, whatever you want, John. So there um, are ways round it. There are ways round it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is the point where even what,
1: we haven't talked about the witches yet. No, um,
0: the Carrionites. Yeah, the
1: Carionites, Yeah, again mentioned from Shakespeare.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's all it's all there. It's it's quite clever what what gareth roberts has done here yeah yeah as i say just a shame he kept repeating it all the time every time he's asked to do another script (laughs) but um yeah do you know what i actually found the Karenites a pretty poor ineffective sort of villain at the end they didn't really do anything did they no no and and i couldn't quite figure out why they couldn't actually just recite their own words now did i did i miss something there
1: if you did i did
0: because Look, I couldn't I actually program. figure out why they had to get Shakespeare to do it.
1: I don't think there's anything, but there was actually something in this that I'd never seen before until I watched it yesterday. Mm. And that was Super Hands from Pete Yes, <laughs> I've never spotted that. Do
0: you know what? I remember at the time when this was, um, when this was shown, um, actually when the trailer was shown at the end of, of Smith & Jones, I think it was when I used to lurk on um, Outpost Gallifrey. Oh, uh, which I don't do now. Now on podcasts, <laughs> and I don't. I don't go on. This is this is before I, I was a podcaster. And somebody had taken a screenshot of the tray when you've got um, super hands screaming yeah. at the camera, and that was always the pot where he had his heart attack. Yeah, in, in the show, and that she said, "Look at that! Look, look, look! It's Christopher Eccleston." <laughs> and everyone's getting really, really. Yeah, it is. It's him. He's back. And. And okay, I looked at it and I thought, that's not Christopher Eccleston. I didn't know it was Superhands. I remember but, you know, um, but... the two-parter for Series 4,
1: you know, the where the Daleks have taken over and all that. There's this Northern guy in the streets. Yeah. And I remember on Outpost Gallifrey, somebody had a YouTube clip that was somebody had obviously filmed on location. Mm. And it was this Northern guy throwing bricks and they go, it's Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> So, yeah, it can't just be a guy from the same town as him.
0: Uh, oh dear. Actually, there was an awful lot of bollocks written about that um, Stolen Earth and Journey's End. <laughs> like the whole thing with the um and I know were going way off topic again, but the whole thing, with Harriet Jones was the red Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam was Davros. <laughs> Adam was Davros, yeah. <laughs> just because he had that that portal thing in the middle of his head. <laughs> They just put two and two together as it "Oh, the portal. So that means that that turns into the eye of Davros." Good yeah. God! People will see, read anything into just to just to make it add up, won't they? Every trailer, somebody
1: says they've seen Paul McGann in it. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: Actually, I
1: don't know. I don't know. If they're <laughs> serious, or it's just one guy having a joke, going, "Oh, Paul McGann was in that." It's like any pub quiz. It's not Paul McGann saying that, is it? <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> Going, going back on way off topic again, but the yeah. strangest piece of graffiti I've ever seen <laughs> is in a train toilet and it just said, Chevy Chase is God. <laughs> and I, were, I had visions of Chevy Chase going around train, toilet, train toilets and just graffitiing this himself to get I, his career back up.
0: Well, I, <laughs> there was one, actually, we're on the subject of toilet graffiti. When I used to work at the health service, we had a Christmas party... Um In the hospital, and I went to use one in the uh, one like the public lavatories and so, and I was saying at the urinal and somebody had written on the wall hair cut one hundred rules <laughs> right. now it was a good job I was standing at the urinal because I just couldn't stop laughing <laughs> and i and I would have wet myself otherwise if i wasn't because i just i just I was out a few to drink as well. I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you don't forget, folks. You heard it here first. Haircut one hundred rules and Chippy Chase is god.
1: <laughs> but yeah, every year someone says they've seen Paul McGann in the trailer. Oh dear,
0: it's wishful thinking.
1: So very, very I guarantee much. you, somebody <laughs> has seen him in the second half of Series Seven trailer.
0: <laughs> I'm just well, I, I don't frequent Outpost Gallifrey, and I don't want to tie everyone with the same brush. Outpost I've never Gallifrey. been.
1: I went on there once, and then I just saw the
0: bio people were posting. <laughs> <to>. <laughs> Did they actually like Doctor Who? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. It does make you wonder. But, oh, dear. Anyway, back onto, back onto this. Back onto yeah. this. Um, yeah, where were we at? The, the carrier knights. Yeah, they just sort of appeared at the end. They didn't uh, uh, attack anybody. They just whirled around in the air. Yeah. And then just got sucked back into this portal, and that was the end of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was never any real threat to them. No. So
0: I'm
1: pretty sure the Doctor could have just did that at the start of the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it was just a bit... It was just just a pretty weak sort of Alien alien of the Week story just to get Shakespeare in. Yeah.
1: And I I love the fact that he keeps him in a globe in the TARDIS. Yeah. And so far he's got that um, the voice that's caught in the videotape in the TARDIS, yeah, and I just imagine in one future episode we're going to get a companion stumbling across this room <laughs> Full and of tra- accidentally, villains. yeah, accidentally unleashing every villain. <laughs> oh, what's on this thing? And putting in the VCR player? Oh, a snow globe and yeah. dropping it? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. That I don't know what because obviously the witches are meant to like. Would well, you mention Macbeth or on with Ian McKellen? But um, obviously that's what three witches were. Yeah. Referencing there, obviously. Um but I don't know why I don't know why the other two witches ne- never um went into sort of like human looking uh visage or something. Yeah. You only had was it was her name Lilith, wasn't it?
1: Lilith, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know, I didn't really make much of the witches.
0: Nah, it's just all this I, I I like the idea about the fact it was all to do with um it was the power of words. Yeah. Which I thought was a really good idea.
1: Um, yeah, I loved that.
0: Yeah, uh, I did. So I thought it was a, that was a really neat little thing, but I just, it didn't seem to sort of go anywhere for me. Yeah. If, it, if the words were so powerful, why weren't the witches using that more? As I said, why couldn't they open the portal themselves? They're supposed to be witches. They had the with within their own power, surely, to, to open the portal. Why did they need someone on the stage to say it? Did it have to be in front of
1: in front of an audience, an audience or well, something. they could have I, done that
0: in front of an audience you know
1: they sort of explained that it had to be in the globe because of the 14 points yeah. and whatever but yeah they could have just after the globe had been built they could have just flown in
0: yeah
1: Raxapori Felicatoria or whatever they like said
0: Spelleramus and yeah, and, you know. yeah.
1: yeah Bob's your uncle
0: yeah never understood never understood that but hey you know
1: with but
0: Doctor Who fans we like to pick it. Things like this, <laughs> and we also like to bridge gaps. We do, don't we? We mm. certainly do. God, but, actually, so one of the other lines I did actually like was the, um, the the doctor says to Martha and Shakespeare, "Oh, there's time for flirting later." Yeah, and says is that a promise, Doctor, and it's old oh, fifty-seven academics just punched the air.
1: <laughs> so I've
0: I, I completely forgot about that. The whole is is uh, Shakespeare gay. I, I can't actually believe there's actually fifty-seven academics have actually made it their lives work.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me.
0: I mean, if you type any actor's
1: name into Google, the first thing that comes up is that actor gay. Yeah. Everyone's fascinated with who's gay. So yeah. I can well believe that there are 52 academics. <laughs> They've just made it there, and they're getting paid for it as well. Their life's career, to... <laughs> yeah. Looking up to see if William Shakespeare was gay. gay. Oh dear. But also um, the,
0: the thing about um, the um, giving him the ruff as well—that's just the neck brace, yeah, for him. And you know, don't keep rubbing your hair or make you go bald. <laughs> Things. Like... So there were some there were some good little bits in there. there yeah, there yeah. Some good bits in it. But, yeah, I was say I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed yeah, watching I mean, it, again. it did
1: feel a bit like the witches just had... It was like a compulsory rule that the witches had to mention Rose to get him angry. Yeah. And that's all we saw in Series 3 was just the name Rose getting mentioned and him getting angry.
0: You're getting a bit maudlin over it and yeah. know, looking off in the middle distance. and Yeah, it was a little bit... Yeah, I think that, that was the whole thing because I think by the time Rose had... Had gone. I was over Rose, <laughs> if if you know what I mean. Because i yeah. I actually I actually got sick of her come the end of series two. And I think that that I think that was the that was the game plan anyway. They wanted you to the her and the Doctor's relationship. It was so damn perfect. They were having such a good time, and it all blew up in their faces at the end. Yeah, it, yeah. You knew it was going to end in in tragedy. But um, but I I really didn't enjoy that so much. I know a lot of people got really upset when Rose left. I was actually sort of like, Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's I know. gone,
0: you know. I didn't really like Rose. Yeah, I, I
1: think- haven't actually Martha's the only character I've actually liked. <laughs> that her daughter's traveled with. And you think Martha had was the only one that had her life sorted out, really? I know her parents are going through a divorce, but she lived in her own flat. She had um, a good career. She had a good career. She was studying to be a doctor. And she had her whole life ahead of her, where you think Rose was 19, living with her mum and dad, directionless, Donna in her 40s, living with her parents, well, her mum and her granddad. Granddad,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, not no directionless, not knowing what she wants to do. But Martha was the only one who, I think, if she hadn't met the doctor, would have still made a difference.
0: I think so. I think so. I mean, they did sort of refer to her medical training on a few occasions, but I don't think they made enough of it.
1: No, they, they talk about being a doctor, and Shakespeare asked, well, where is this land where women can be doctors? Yeah. And, yeah, I guess you would have been asked that question. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I think Series 3 is the strongest the show's ever been.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some really, really good stuff to come.
1: I don't want to get too far into it, because obviously you're going to cover this. We're going to cover it, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, it's just a shame it all falls apart right at the very end. Yes. Yeah. Which we which we will get to eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you back for that one as well, mate. So. Oh, I'll come back for that. <laughs> Paul's not getting me out of this seat now. No, that's it. You're firmly ensconced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So I think, summing up then, it's it's still an enjoyable story. It's not the best one of this it's series. It's not the
1: best one. But then again, if somebody had never seen Doctor Who before... Hmm. This is one I would recommend as a jumping point Yeah, for them to come in at.
0: I think what I'd like to see them do, if they're going to do another historical one, is leave the sci-fi aspect out of it. Yeah. Like they used to do with Hartnell, just do a pure historical story.
1: That would be brilliant. I mean, and you know, we didn't have Churchill fighting the gas-masked zombies in the the Eccleston two-parter. mm and you know it would have been really easy to make Madame Antoinette as the the girl who waited. Uh, sorry, oh. what was it? The girl in the fireplace. Yeah, uh, but they didn't. So you know they could have just had any fictional writer from history.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: In this, and it, it would have worked.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I, yeah, I really would like to see him just do a pure historical one, and it's the what they do. A, you know that they, they sort of they cause that thing in his, and they always do that anyway that what they do causes thing to happen in history but as you say there's always a sci-fi element attached to it yeah but I, I guess you need that because it's Doctor Who yeah I suppose so
1: I mean if you just want a historical episode just watch the drama <laughs> but um, yeah there is a bit you know it sort of ticked all the boxes in this episode upset yeah. the Daily Mail
0: yes yes
1: uh get as many references as you can to shakespeare yes, yes. uh talk about martha being black yes, yes. but you know yes. that's one uh, talking about martha being black is one thing i absolutely loved about this episode
0: yeah and it's actually it was actually her that brought the subject up yeah yeah as well which um and and actually that was that again that was one of the better things of the script because it was um it was that, that that whole thing about you, you. It's her first time out of her time. Yeah, <laughs> use the word time here, but so she was obviously quite nervous. Well, like she said, about, she was
1: nervous about stepping on a butterfly. Yeah, and the doctor says, "Well, don't step, step on, on any butterfly. butterflies."
0: And the whole I thing about the... what, what if I murder? Him, I kill my own grandfather? Were you? Are, are you planning, planning on doing that? You know? Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think anyone. I, I, I'm not conscious of any other companions actually asking those questions.
1: No, Martha did a lot. Like, Martha was a stronger character than people give her credit for. Definitely. And she, it, like I said, she is the only one that had a drive in her life, and she was going to be a doctor. Yeah. And, and it didn't matter. Like, I think if Martha hadn't met a doctor, like we said, she would have gone on to great things regardless.
0: Oh, she would have done, definitely.
1: Uh, but you can't say the same thing about Rose or Donna or Amy.
0: No. Or well, who knows what the hell's Amy's doing now, but or what she did after, um, yeah, she got dragged back in time. But yeah, that's the thing. You, you, they were basically screw ups, weren't they? It was sort of the yeah. doctors saved them from the the boring, humdrum life that they had. Yeah.
1: Rose would have ended up being that that forty year old woman who works in Asda. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being forty years old and working in Asda. No, but it's not being a doctor.
0: No, exactly.
1: Donna would have still gone from temp job to temp job to temp job to not being financially secure until her mum died. Yeah. And Amy probably would have been a kissagram, become a stripper, got some sort of STD, <laughs> and died. <laughs> Martha's the only one who would have had a good life.
0: Ah, uh, clean living. That's what she was about, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> i just got this image now of sort of like all the Doctor's companions they all, they all die the clap after that. <laughs> <laughs> they, all, they all get an STD and that's it. <laughs> oh dear. I bet that, that's been written in slash fiction somewhere. It's got to have been. So.
1: Certainly in fan fiction.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh dear. I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> uh, yeah, STDs always STDs, get a conversation. All, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Right, well, thanks very much for joining us again, Martin. It's been a
1: pleasure, sir.
0: It's been a pleasure having you, mate. Anytime. Yeah. Well, like well- I said,
1: Paul's going to have to fight me out of this chair.
0: Exactly. Well, I so say we'll definitely have you back during the course's retrospective anyway. Excellent. Because I know there's definitely a couple of episodes you want to talk about. So Yes, uh, there are. There yeah, are. so, yeah, we'll get you back for them. Okay, well, folks, well, next week, uh, Paul will be back. Um, and hopefully we'll be back with another Big Finish review or another Target Book review so uh, we haven't quite made our minds up yet so we'll um, well we'll see and we're also going to try and fit in an audio commentary sometime this month as well so we'll uh, we'll keep everyone posted on that so then for another week it is goodbye from me Phil and goodbye from me Martin goodbye listening to the who's he podcast please visit our website at who's he.co.uk or follow us on twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast
1: and paul you won't get me out of this chair